Everyone want to come on in and take a seat? So it's been two Sundays ago since we were last in Ecclesiastes because of um, Easter last week. So the best way to get everybody quiet is to say, is start praying, and then everybody's like, oh, shoot, but I'm not going to do that. Um, so uh, we covered chapter 9 the last time, talked about the fact that there is one fate for all people and that we should each take advantage of each day we are given. I'm ringing a bit. Can you help me out? <laughs> um, the intention today is to cover uh, all of chapter 10. So I'm going to go ahead and read Ecclesiastes chapter 10, the whole chapter. Dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink, so a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart directs him toward the right, but the foolish man's heart directs him toward the left. Even when the fool walks along the road, it's getting worse. There we go. Okay. There we go. Um, even when the fool walks along the road, his sense is lacking, and he demonstrates to everyone that he is a fool. If the ruler's temper rises against you, do not abandon your position because composure allays great offenses. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, like an error which goes forth from the ruler. Folly is set in many exalted places, while rich men sit in humble places. I have seen slaves riding on horses and princes walking like slaves on the land. He who digs a pit may fall into it, and a serpent may bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and he who splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of giving success. If the serpent bites before being charmed, there is no profit for the charmer. Words from the, wise, words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious, while the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of his talking is folly, and the end of it is wicked madness. Yet the fool multiplies words. No man knows what will happen, and who can tell him what will come after him. The toil of a fool so wearies him that he does not even know how to go to a city. Woe to you, O land, whose king is a lad, and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, whose king is of nobility, and whose princes eat at the appropriate time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through indolence the rafters sag, and through slackness the house leaks. Men prepare a meal for enjoyment, and wine makes life merry, and money is the answer to everything. Furthermore, in your bedchamber do not curse a king, and in your sleeping rooms do not curse a rich man, for a bird of the heavens will carry the sound, and the winged creature will make the matter known. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. We thank you for... Um, these words of wisdom that we can look at this morning, we ask that you would direct us, that your Holy Spirit would be the one to illumine our hearts and help us to see what it is uh, you have for us in these. And in all things, Lord, we pray that we would see you, that we would recognize you and, and um, how it is that life in you is worked out uh, in this life, that we would uh, live in you. Thanks for this time, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. So that quote I just put up there, I was looking up quotes on foolishness, and that one came up, and I thought it looked interesting, so I stuck it up there. So if you missed it, sorry. Um, Ecclesiastes 10, foolishness versus wisdom. Um, I took from that first verse, foolishness stinks. I kind of like that. So um, that's, that's where we are today. That's pretty much what all this covers. Um, I probably could have spent more time on saying this and this, but... 
it kind of is a, a good heading for the whole thing. So that first verse, uh, dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink, so a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. So question, how many poorly made parts do you have to have in a rocket ship or spaceship to cause it to explode or have problems? Yeah, we, we actually have a, an aerospace, yeah, don't deny it, you are. <laughs> it doesn't take, you can make 99.9% .9 of something right and still have it fail if you've got that 0.1%. I can build a new, I can put a, rebuild an engine and tighten all the bolts except for one and have it completely fail. It, it doesn't take much. Um, you can have a room full of the wisest people, but one fool who speaks up and everyone will focus on the fool and what he said. That's certainly the truth if the, fo if the, if the media is there. All you're going to hear about is what the one fool said. Could have been some amazing things that were said there, but that's all you're going to hear about. Or you can live a life of wisdom and intelligence and say one or two things wrong, and that's what you'll be remembered for. How many of y'all remember Dan Quayle? Bush, Bush the first, huh? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, he was not a stupid guy. You know, he was an intelligent man, but the media wanted to destroy him, and they did a very nice job of it. Um, he had no prayer because he said a couple of things wrong. How many of us would, would handle that if there was a camera in your face every time you spoke that you'd never misspeak? Uh, it would be a disaster for me, I can tell you that. Um, this, this verse to me feels a bit like, and J, J, uh, Jim isn't here, so, um, but it feels a bit like the second law of thermodynamics verse. How many things can you think of, think of that if they're just left alone, they get better? There's not many. Um, how many things will smell nicer over time? will taste better. Okay, you can say wine, you can say a couple other things. Sometimes, you know, potato salad tastes better the next day, but if you leave it there long enough, it's not going to be. Um, what happens if you don't maintain your house or your car um, or your marriage or your friendships? If you give no attention to those things, not going to go well. Um, and what happens if you ne neglect your relationship with the Lord? What's that? It grows cold. Right. He doesn't grow any more distant from us, but we do from him. We tend to believe that we can coast in our relationship with Christ. A few days isn't going to hurt. Not that big of a deal. Um, there won't be any real consequences. Is that true or false? It's false. You know, husbands try ignoring your wives for a week or so and see how that goes. You know, it, we don't have the immediate consequences of seeing what ignoring Christ does, but it's really not that different. Um, all right, verse 2. A wise man's heart directs him toward the right, but the foolish man's heart directs him toward the left. 
Even when the fool walks along the road, his sense is lacking, and he demonstrates to everyone that he is a fool. So obviously, if you're a conservative, you like verse 2. Is that what that means? Probably not. Um, I was reading in one of the commentaries, and it does talk about that, you know, you talk about the right hand of power, you know, and things like that. So, so the right hand did make, you know, there was some of that. But um, I think it, it simply means it's obvious who's wise and who's a fool. It's not hard to see it. Um, you can see it by the decisions that a person makes. Um, you've heard probably this, it, it's hard to hide stupid. Um, you can't fix stupid. But would you agree that it's hard to hide foolishness? I think so. It's hard to hide foolishness. Um, Proverbs 17, 28, Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's considered prudent. So mostly you hear foolish people, you hear what comes out of their mouth, and you go, hmm, not so great. Um, and this is where I, I kind of enjoyed looking up some, some quotes. This is the one that we're familiar with hearing a lot. Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. Um, and that one's attributed to Abraham Lincoln and a couple other people, whether this was, you know, he probably said it, whether somebody said it before him, I don't know. The whole problem with the world is that fools and fanatics are always so certain of themselves and wiser people so full of doubts. That one, let that one sink in a little bit. And, and, and you know, it's funny because if you go back to that one, a wise person is more prepared to stay silent because as you get wiser, as you gain more knowledge, you realize how much you don't know. A fool thinks he knows everything, and so he's, you know, espousing everything. But it is interesting Fools and fanatics are so certain of themselves and wiser people, people so full of doubts. Fools call wise men fools. A wise man, man never calls any man a fool. Again, I think it comes down to that idea that when you, the more wisdom you have, the more you recognize how little you know and how little wisdom you have. Um, so, anyway. Now nobody's going to talk this morning. <laughs> but I'm going to keep up here like a fool, so, you know. Um, verse 4, if the ruler's temper rises against you, do not abandon your position because composure allies great, uh, great offenses. So you screwed up. You did something wrong. Or maybe someone else did something wrong. But it looks like you did or the blame gets put on you. How should you react? What should you do? I took the quote down so you can talk now. <laughs> I think you have an example of Christ and when he stood up and he didn't Yeah, he didn't feel the need to justify himself or to defend himself. Should you be building your defense? Will that help you more? Should you be ready to argue your case? Should you try to be the first one in to see the boss so you can plead your case and, you know, make sure he gets the facts from your side of the story?
so what, what kind of signals, what, what, what is being said to your boss when the world seems to be ablaze, everything is, is melting down, and he thinks you're part of the problem, and he comes to you, and you're there doing your job. You're just doing whatever it is. Maybe it's part of helping to put the fire out, and maybe it's just doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing. What does that say? I really shouldn't have put those quotes up there, should I? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I and and usually the the boss kind of knows the the busybodies and the ones that are going around. Hey, Tom. You know, Tom did that. You know, and Tom's over there doing what he's supposed to be doing. Maybe I need to reconsider what was said about this other person. I wasn't going to. Right. Nothing hidden that won't be revealed. Absolutely. Um, so there was, when I was, when I went to work, when we went to Portland and I was going to Bible school in Portland, Oregon, of all places, I know it doesn't make any sense, um, but it does. Um, yeah, I went to work at this bike shop. That's what I used to do to make money was worked, in, worked on bicycles. And so I went to this shop. And of course, I'm in the middle of Portland. So, you know, not in a culture of, you know, not exactly the buckle of the Bible belt. Um, and there was, on Saturdays, oftentimes the, it was a big shop, uh, oftentimes the manager would bring donuts in, you know, just, all right, it's Friday, it's Saturday, we're, you know, there's going to be a lot of people coming in and blah, 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 it's good for morale. And so there was another guy who was working there, didn't normally work Saturdays, but he'd traded with somebody. And as I got to be there longer, I figured out he was just kind of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, he was like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if somebody, like, hit all the donuts, you know, made it look like they were all been eaten, you know? Like, oh, that does sound kind of funny. So um, I went and did it, like, hid the donuts and, you know, kind of just left a couple of them there. And, and so a, few, a little while later, the manager comes back, and he's like, who ate all the donuts? I can't believe I brought donuts in. And he was all upset, you know? And... Um, and, and the guy who was the instigator who, you know, got me to do it, he was like, well, I don't know what happened, you know? And he was like talking and talking. I didn't do anything. I was just sitting over there doing my, doing my work, you know? And, um, and so I let, it, I let it play out for quite a while. And then eventually um, I was like, hey, David, I did that, you know? He was like, I, I don't remember what all the reaction was, but, but it was interesting. The guy, the guy who hadn't done anything, but it was his idea. He kept talking. He kept, you know, he couldn't shut up, you know? Um, and I just was like, I'm just going to keep doing what I did, you know? And uh, it all worked out. But it's kind of one of those, just, just keep your head down, do what you're supposed to do, and don't make a big deal. Um, anyway, I wasn't going to tell that one because it's kind of silly, but I'm, I'm, I'm the fool, so, you know, I'm up here. <laughs>
So is it possible to be calm when the world is burning? It is. Why? We have Christ. What difference does that make to us? Hmm? Yeah. It's peace. Peace. Uh, my confidence isn't in what I see. It's not in what's going on around me. My hope is in him. I, I don't... It doesn't matter what's going on. He's got it. He's there. He's already in it. There's nothing that surprises him. Nothing take, takes him by surprise. So he already knew where I was going to be. He let me be there. Um, so there's no... He's bigger than all that, that, that goes on. So there's no need to fear. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Our hope is in the Lord. It's not in us. It's not in what we know. It's not in our wisdom. All right, verses 5 through 7. There's an evil I have seen under the sun, like an error which goes forth from the ruler. Folly is set in many exalted places, while rich men sit in humble places. I have seen slaves riding on horses and princing walking like slaves on the land. So perhaps it's my Western democratic mindset, but my initial reaction is, so what? Uh, do I get bothered? Do you get bothered when you see a teenager that's driving a brand new Mercedes? Maybe a little bit, but you're like, I know his dad bought it, you know, or whatever. It's not like, not like I think he went out and, you know, had a paper route and bought a brand new Mercedes, right? Um, so it doesn't bother me that much. Does it seem odd that a wealthy man would be riding a bus? It seems a little odd, but I wouldn't necessarily call it evil. Wearsby suggests that what Solomon is being, that Solomon is being critical of a ruler who does not sufficiently differentiate between his rulers and slaves or those in lower positions. So he's talking about a ruler who would exalt a slave, and put a, put a ruler at a lower position. Um, so basically, the, the ruler is not properly exalting those in authority and is giving undue attention to slaves. Can this cause problems? Huh? Yeah, can. What are some reasons for demonstrating favor toward those in higher authority? Think of yourself as a manager or business owner or whatever. What are some reasons to, to, to demonstrate that you're actually putting, putting someone who's in a higher position on a little bit higher level? Respect for authority. Respect for authority? I think it demonstrates that I've given them my authority and I'm supporting them. Um, so I'm going to you know, I'm going to pat them on the back a little more. I'm going to show that I'm for them. I think, that, I think that's part of it. Um, and I, I think there's also the idea that, you know, you would like those who are in a lower position to, to at least some degree be, be desiring to be in that higher position, right? You, you do want them to expect and think about how do I, you know, I, I want to be in that, 
you know, I want to be a manager, not just doing the same thing forever. Porter? Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Um, I remember we were building a house for somebody several years back, and in their kids' bathroom, the mom was like, "I'm gonna let the I'm gonna let my daughter pick out all the tile or whatever." It's like. I have a, so I see a lot of adults struggle with that, and I'm going, I think that was part of it. She, she, the mom wasn't really confident in doing it, so it's kind of pushing it off on her kid. I'm like, you know, I, and how long is your, your kid's a teenager? How long are they even going to be in this, you know, bathroom? You're going to have to live with it. So anyway, um, anyway, I, I think it's kind of, yeah, I know, I know where you're going with that. Um, all right, let, let's move on. Verses 8 and 9. He who digs a pit may fall into it, and a serpent may bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and he who splits logs may be endangered by them. How would you sum up these two verses? Pretty simple. If you do work, you might get hurt. Right? So the answer is do nothing. Right? No. Um, Where no oxen are, the manger is clean, but much revenue comes by the strength of the ox. So I've got an ox, and now I've got to clean up after the stupid thing. Right? But if I don't have an ox, well, I don't have to clean up after it. I also don't get any money. Right? Oxen are messy. You have to clean up after them, but you could get hurt, and you could get hurt doing the work that you're doing. But if you don't have the ox, and if you don't work, you won't make any money. So which should you choose? Work and be careful. Continue on the same theme. Let's go ahead and go into verses 10 and 11. We'll, we'll continue on this. But uh, if the axe is dull and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of giving success. If the serpent bites before being charmed, there's no profit for the charmer. So is it frustrating to have to sharpen tools or spend time maintaining equipment or um, having to wait when it feels like you could be doing something and moving on? Are those things frustrating? Sure they are. But wisdom knows when to wait and when to move forward, when to stop, when to say, if I keep doing this, I'm going to damage you know, the equipment I'm using. Um, if I continue on this path, I will eventually waste more time and energy than if I stop now and change course and did something different even though it feels like I'm not going to get things done. Have you ever been working on a project or working on something and you just feel like you're banging your head against the wall and, but I'm under the gun, I got to get this done, you know? Um, and so finally you go, forget it, I'm not getting anywhere, I'm just going to stop. You come back to it later that day, or you come back to it maybe the next morning after a good night's sleep and like, boom, 
pretty much done. You know, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times when I worked up at the camp in Colorado, I was working on cars oftentimes, and I'd be working on this thing, and it just like, I can't, whatever it was, couldn't get the bolt to go in, couldn't do this, couldn't do that, couldn't things line up, whatever. And finally, it was like, I'm just walking away. Just, but I would, I would sit there and get frustrated and frustrated, work on it way longer than I should have. And then the next morning, I'd come back, and it'd be like five minutes. And I'm well on my way to at least fixing that problem and maybe, maybe being about done. But we sometimes we, we run into things, and we just get frustrated. And in our own strength, I'm just like, I can do this. I can take care of this. I can fix it. Um, no. The Lord sometimes is just saying, you just, just back off. Just wait a little bit. Um, why is patience and virtue? Why does haste make waste? Why do we get impatient and feel like things have to be done immediately? Do you think things would change any at all if we had God's perspective on time? I think they probably would. I still think it blows me away sometimes when I think about my dad is 81, about to turn 82. And when I think about the fact that Moses didn't really start being used by the Lord till he was 80. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years watching sheep, 40 years in the wilderness, in the, out in the whatever, desert, whatever, sitting there watching sheep. Okay, now you're 80, now I'm ready to use you. God's idea and perspective on time is so different than ours. What's that? Yeah, it takes some time. Would you agree? (laughs) I hear you. What is Solomon trying to tell us? I think in the context of foolishness versus wisdom... I think the answer in, in these verses is work wisely. Don't be foolish or careless, or your work will probably cause you injury. You know, if you're, if you're splitting wood and you do stupid things, you're probably going to get injured. If you're quarrying rocks and you do stupid things, you're probably going to get injured. Think about it. Be careful. Be, be patient. Trust that God will give you the time you need to accomplish what he desires for you. And remember that he's more concerned about your character than about what you accomplish. That's hard for us to remember because this world wants to know what we've done. As men, when we get together, what's the question? So what do you do? You know? What do you do? Not who are you. I'm going to have to work on that question. How do we ask that question of, of men as we meet each other? Not what do you do, what have you accomplished, but who are you? Interesting. When Carol and Brown were kids, she used to ask, uh, are you still alive? I'm like, that's a great question. I should uh, start asking that of uh, people sometimes because they almost would think about, so what's God been teaching you lately? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a much more beneficial question, Right. And I, I, you know, 
I get together with a couple of different groups of guys on Wednesday, on Wednesday morning, on a Friday morning, and you know we talk about stuff. And the things that these guys know, the things that they have done, are pretty impressive and, and pretty cool. Um, and so there is that aspect. But when we start talking about what is God doing in your life, that's, that's where we can really start to encourage one another, I think. Um, so in your work and in this life, use the wisdom God has given you. Let's move on to verses 12 through 14. Words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious, while the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of his talking is folly, and the end of it is wicked madness. Yet the fool multiplies words. No man knows what will happen, and who will tell him what will happen after him. Why is it that the wise man can be gracious? The wise man doesn't need to build himself up by tearing others down. He's free to speak kind words, words that build up, because he's secure in what he knows and what he doesn't know. He doesn't need to, doesn't need to, to get his security that way. And since a truly wise man knows his place before God, and that God has been gracious toward him, he doesn't need any strokes from anybody. I don't... You know, he doesn't need to, to get his, his approval from man. He's got his approval. Why can't the fool be gracious? He's insecure. He's typically trying to get negative attention on others and only get the attention on himself when he can be sure it will highlight his strengths such as he sees them which oftentimes aren't strengths, but he, he's, he doesn't understand that. The, the fool, and I think this is where that no man knows the, the future, um, you know, the fool tries to convince people he knows the future. He tries to convince people that he's smarter than he is. The wise simply shakes his head or hopefully prays for him, prays that he would, would see the folly of his ways. Verse 15, the toil of a fool so wearies him that he does not even know how to get to a city. This could be referring to the fact that a fool is talking so much, he doesn't pay attention to where he's going, and all of a sudden looks up and like, wait, where am I? Where, where are we going? That could be it. Um, verse 16 and 17, woe to you, O land, whose king is a lad and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, whose king is of nobility, and whose princes eat at the appropriate time for strength and not for drunkenness. Unfortunately, it seems that Solomon left Israel with a similar situation to what he described in this, in this negative example. His son Rehoboam acted foolishly, and his actions split the nation. So he didn't maybe pass this on as well as he could have. Um, now, this is the dangerous question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Nobody's talking today much anyway, so maybe get, may get away with it. But um, how would you describe many of those in leadership in our nation? Noble or foolish? 
Does it feel like they are more there for the good of the country or the betterment of themselves? It seems like there's an awful lot of betterment of themselves. But again, you hear more mm-hmm. about the shooting than you do the riots. It's true. So I think mm-hmm. Let's certainly hope so. Yeah. 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 You're right, though. We don't. It's just like we said earlier that that you don't hear about you know the the dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink. So a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. You hear about the fools. You hear about the the crazy people. Um, We don't hear about the ones who are behind the scenes. Of course, there's. Nowadays, it seems like there's people behind the scenes on both sides, good and bad, more so than we'd like to, to think. But, but there are good people um, there. We need to be praying for them. We need to, you know, one of the things I always pray for is that truth would come out um, and that people would care about truth. That's the other part of it. A lot of people don't seem to be too concerned about truth these days. Um, verse 18, through, in, through indolence, the rafters sag, and through slackness, the house leaks. I think this is similar to what he said about maintaining your equipment to make work easier and more efficient. If you don't maintain your house, eventually it's going to come down on you. And that's true for government. It's true for individuals. It's true for families. If we neglect these things, the roof's going to fall in. Uh, Verse 19, men men prepare a meal for enjoyment and wine makes life merry and money is the answer to everything. I don't know. <laughs> now, I, Wearsby thinks it indicates that this whole that several of these verses are talking primarily about government. So it it's going back to that uh, verse sixteen and seventeen, talking about you know the the king, uh, the land whose king is a lad, and prince's feast and all that. Um, so he's saying this is directed directed at governing officials who take and take and take allowing their greed to blind them to their responsibilities. It's possible. If he did, I didn't get his humor. So <laughs> it could be. It could be. Yeah. Yeah, whether he's calling them out on it or whether he's, you know, yeah, going. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It could very well be, and I don't, I don't really know. Um, I do think, you know, it, it, I think it ties into what we talked about last time. You know, enjoy the life God has given you. You know, yes, enjoy what he has, what he's given you, um, but keep your focus on the giver, not on what is given or what you think you deserve. Yeah, Karen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of possibilities here. um, And we can explore them sometime. (laughs) Verse 20. Furthermore, in your bedchamber do not curse a king, and in your sleeping rooms do not curse a rich man. For a bird of the heavens will carry the sound, and the winged creature will make the matter known. So... Earlier in Ecclesiastes, Solomon told us not to pay too much attention if we hear someone talking uh, bad about us because we know we have done the same on occasion. So, this, so he's kind of addressed this, but this is like the flip side of it. 
Um, you don't know how gracious and magnanimous your boss or governing official or whoever it is you may be bad-mouthing is. And, um, and on the other side of it, I think, is that same idea that you recognize other people are going to bad-mouth you about something. Um, why not just not be that person, you know? Um, probably mentioned this before, but I had a great aunt, Aunt Carol was, I, Heather and I both were, are like, I can't remember her ever saying anything bad about anyone or anything. Yeah, she was like the most positive person, um, really sweet lady, you know, and everybody liked to be, <coughs> be around Aunt Carol. Do you like being around people that you're going, okay, after I leave here, they're probably going to be talking to somebody and telling them how much they hate me or, you know, whatever they don't like about me. Do you like being around that person? You know, it's, it's not comfortable because you feel like you've got to be guarded. Like, I've got to make sure that I don't give them any ammunition to, you know, for whatever they're going to say about me, although they're going to come up with something anyway. Um, but it, it is nice being around that person that you go, I don't know what she's going to say about me, but I'd love to hear it because it's going to be... I'm like, wow, that, that's encouraging, you know. Um, so I desire to be that person. I'm not that person. Um, so in conclusion, it's clear that wisdom flows out of God-likeness. Wisdom is a God-like quality. Foolishness flows naturally from our corrupted human nature. Um, So I see. I keep coming back to James um, as we're in Ecclesiastes, but and I've probably put up at least part of this before. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like a surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Are you asking God for wisdom? Are you seeking God? The knowledge of God, the, the more we know him, the wiser we are. Are we seeking him? Are we seeking that knowledge? Are we walking with him, spending time to allow him, allow him to speak what is true and what is wise in our hearts and our life? That's all I've got. Anyone have any other comments or thoughts, questions? All right. I don't know if it's the foolish talk thing or if everybody's just quiet this morning. Porter, will you pray for us? Thank you. Amen. Thanks.